Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. This is the week ending, I'm looking at my Google Doc, Bruce Perky, what is it? Week ending Friday, June 3rd, 2022. Is that correct? June 3rd, 2022, episode 118. Am I correct, Eric Holmes, Bruce Perky? How am I doing by my numbers? Episode one. You are correct. You can read. Yes, you <laughs> yes, have I successfully can. identified the days of the month. I can read. I also, we look, on the doc this week, I was going to talk about the David Cronenberg feature, Crimes of the Future. But Bruce and Eric, I feel so inadequate because I feel like you guys are bigger fans of David Cronenberg than me. Am I correct on this, Eric Holmes? Are you a huge David Cronenberg fan? I I like his movies. I'm probably not the the biggest David Cronenberg fan. Like what? I, well, no, that that's not to say I don't like him. I like him a lot, but I'm and I'm to say that I'm the I'm the pinnacle of fandom when it comes to David Cronenberg. I'm not the guy, but I've seen a lot of his movies and I like pretty much all of them. Okay, you like pretty much all of them. Eric Holmes likes David Cronenberg's work. Bruce, I'm assuming you might love his work because you friggin' watched The Brood months ago just for the heck of it. <laughs> That's one of his earlier films, and I think you were saying you were threatening threatening us with saying I'm just gonna just do podcasts on Rabid from now on and some of his earlier <laughs> yeah, stuff. Right. So, yeah, no, I, have you always been a fan of Cronenberg as well? I'm only gonna do Cronenberg movies that star former porn stars, so Marilyn it's gonna Chambers. get a limited <laughs> podcast, but I'm gonna make the most of it. Um, <laughs> I will get some members of pleasure to come on and. Uh, you know, weigh in on that. Anyway, that'd be a pretty good podcast, actually, I, I think. But you've been a lifelong fan of Cronenberg. Does that mean Crimes of the Future, which is coming out Friday? Are you excited for that? Or like Eric saying, you're not the hugest Cronenberg fan? Like, his, I, I am excited. I feel like he's kind of in that same category as uh, George Miller. He's this guy who's now should be just hanging it up or just, just you know, getting a paycheck and just making kind of middle of the road movies. And, he, and both of those guys seem to be just pushing the envelope till the bitter end, you know. And, and from everything I hear, the new new Cronenberg movie is just right back to what he's known for, but doing it in a modern way. And if it's like a lot of his other movies, which it looks like it may be kind of in that Videodrome existence sort of category, it's probably going to mean a lot more in about 10 years from now. Videodrome, long live the new flesh. Eric Holmes, I'm sure you, you love Videodrome. Do you remember Videodrome at all? When you Did you see it when you were a teenager? Have you seen it recently? Because I think I, that's an I, Eric Holmes film. I love Long Flesh. New world. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Long Flesh. Long live the new flesh. Yeah, that's video terms of that, that movie's a trip. I dig that one. Yeah, okay. So other than Cronenberg coming out this week, what have you guys been doing the last week as Eric Holmes sips from his Find Your Film glass, which you can purchase at findyourfilmpodcast.com? How is the glass? How's the glass where Eric Holmes three weeks into drinking? I'm assuming that's water. That's not vodka. That has to be water. It's yes. a Le Croix. Le Croix. Le, it's oh, a lime-flavored one. I'm on a uh, ketosis diet, so I will turn this body into an Adonis in no time. <laughs> <laughs> How's the glassware? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about your diet. I'm worried about our merch, Eric Holmes. How's that glassware holding up? Is it okay with uh, with the drinks? With, have you banged? Is it okay? Okay, so this this drink, mm. so delicious, so Le, wonderful. This exact, I poured this drink out into another glass. just tastes like assholes oh and really? not good assholes okay. the oh, bad assholes that is not that is a very pungent image and uh very this is an audio thing so i'm feeling like very 
Ooh, I don't know, Bruce. Are you are you uncomfortable with that with that uh, taste that Eric Holmes is out there is is thrown out there I'm, for us? I'm just guessing that's one of the characters in the new Cronenberg movie. It's the asshole man <laughs> or something. Maybe? There is a there is a moment, and I'm not gonna look. I'm sorry, Bruce, that if I'm spoiling it for you, but but this is part of the trailer, so I apologize, Bruce Berkey. But this is for the listeners. There is a moment, and this is the barrier to entry regarding crimes of the future. If you want to see, I'm not. I'm just not gonna spoil who does what to who. But if if you want to see another human being. Open up the stomach of another human being, open it up, and then kiss said kiss the open stomach, and and if you won't be grossed out by it, crimes of the future might be for you. If that imagery, which, I mean, the way, we saw is, that in in the what? second Star Wars movie that happened. Yeah, <laughs> happened in the second Star Wars. Movie. When when he opens up the when the he opens up the yeah. body, does he go? I thought it smelled bad from the outside. What what line is that from Eric Holmes? What movie? Empire Strikes Back. Empire was that from Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, it was, was when it? Han Solo cuts open the the, the oh, tauntaun. Very good, very good. Yeah, I'm, they have that I, long uncomfortable pause before he finishes a uh, sentence. Well, I can guarantee you this scene in Crimes of the Future is much sicker than that. Definitely. By the way, again, the merch is findyourfilmpodcast.com. Eric Holmes, what have you been doing last week? It's your, your Edgar's Allan Poe. Are you are you in a Poe kind of mood this week? Yeah, I was actually in a Dassin kind of mood. And then uh, Bruce brought up that, uh, and so I watched the Telltale Heart, the Jules Dassin's first movie for short. It's like 20 minutes long. And then Bruce is like... Hey, uh, Robert Eggers did one too. I'm like, I guess I got to watch that too. And I was like, you know, it's been a while. It's been since grade school since I read the short story. I should listen to the audio book of that. And I found a, a Christopher Lee audio book and listen to that. And yeah, that uh, Edgar Allan Poe guy, he's pretty good. Well, I, don't know Ed- if you guys, I don't know if you guys heard of him, but uh, he's pretty good. You might want to keep an eye out for that guy. That Edgar Allan Poe guy is pretty good. You are obsessed with filmmaker Jules Dassin. We'll be doing a director spotlight on Jules Dassin down the road. What movies are we going to be spotlighting in a future episode of Find Your Film, Eric Holmes, regarding Jules Dassin? Oh, we got a couple of them. We got uh, Thieves Highway, mm-hmm. and we have Night in Night in the City. Night in the City. Okay. And so I also night- have The Law. I, I got that. I, I had that uh, one that I rented from Netflix, so maybe I'll bring that one up to you. And, you know, Eric Holmes is so excited to talk to Bruce Perky today about Robert Eggers and Jules Dassin and Edgar Allan Poe and the Telltale Heart. But then what happened with this episode? What does Greg do every week to both of you guys? Read read my name. Read my name right, right here on the Zoom thing. No Dassin in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize, Eric Holmes. You and Bruce will be spinning it off on a, on a hodgepodge, on a cinematic hodgepodge there down the road? Oh, more than likely. In fact, uh, barring any uh, meteors hitting Earth and destroying us all, that will happen. That will happen, Jules Dassin. Looking forward to it. Bruce Porky, are you looking forward to me actually cutting one of your segments this week? I'm going to start cutting things on your... Are you you doing a rewind this week on a movie? Because it's slowly erasing on my Google Doc. Bruce Porky, can you talk about it? (laughs) I think Eric's going to do most of the rewind because he's the one that no one knows the opinion of. My opinion's on... uh, the Cinematics Facebook page, if you'd like to go out there and join our group and become part of that, you can see my full write-ups. I'll just give the thumbnail version and let Eric really... I'll just be... I'll be Bob, and he can be whatever her name is <laughs> who flies it. Phoenix. On the Rewind section... Like Phoenix rising from the ashes. I, it was <laughs> so memorable, I'm sorry. I and Rewind Top Gun Maverick. 
Or in Microdick, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, yes, yes. By the way, since Find Your Film, the Find Your Film podcast is not like Cinematics. Cinematics is a family show. We do not use cuss words or suggested material. On the rewind for the Google Doc, yes, as the aforementioned comment with Eric Holmes, Bruce renamed Top Gun Maverick Top Gun Microdick. It's a, a name during my dating years I was familiar with, and I cannot believe. <laughs> I had this one night with Tom Cruise, I gotta tell you. I mean, I don't usually kiss and tell, but... I cut him open, I kissed him inside, and yeah, the, the, the rest is all be said, you know. So we all know what Bruce has. His, he has certain feelings regarding Top Gun Maverick. Eric Holmes has actually been secretive regarding his own feelings about this movie. He's going to talk about it regarding the rewind. I think would it would be the ultimate heel turn if Eric Holmes suddenly decides to say that Top Gun Maverick is the best film of 2022, thirty turning Bruce. I mean, ninety nine percent of the people are. So that's like the the <laughs> consensus. <laughs> Yes, ninety. Yes, Bruce, listen to me. Ninety nine percent, ninety nine point one percent of this world is for Top Gun Maverick. You are the point zero sure. nine. Do you feel like Donald Sutherland in in Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Do you feel like you're going to be eaten up pretty soon if you don't? Cash Actually, out I don't to feel Tucker? like him. I feel like, and I got to remember the name of the Brooke actor. Adams. Brooke Adams. No, the, the name of the actor in the original. Oh, uh, right. I forgot his Invasion of the well. Body Snatchers, where he's like running through the streets trying to yell to everybody like that they're coming and that it's, you know, happening and no one's believing him. I think his name's Kevin McCarthy. Did I get yes, that right? Kevin yeah. McCarthy. He got blacklisted, I think. And that's why he didn't do a lot of movies after that. Was Is the original better than the Philip Kaufman version that I mentioned? Regarding- no, the Philip Kaufman version is the best. Oh, really? But the original is still worth watching as far as Invasion Yeah, the Marvel. original, there are two different movies. The original is much more like Red Scare, obviously, like a lot of that stuff was. But it's really good. Okay, so enough of the chit-chat. Let's get into talking about this week's featured films. I'm going to start off with a movie that I did not watch due to my irresponsibility. It's a movie called Row 19. We all, all three of us got the screeners. Bruce and Eric actually saw this movie. Bruce, I'm going to throw this to you because I did zero homework and I, I should be fired. You guys should probably hire someone else as the moderator. Row 19 thriller. What is it? Interesting. Yeah. Something. It's a different European thing. I don't even know. Yeah, I'll give you the basic, the kind of the basic thumbnail of this movie. Uh, Row 19, I actually watched this before our last episode. So it's been over a week since I've seen this movie. Row 19, directed by James Rabb, I think, or maybe said Rob, it's R-A-B-B. I think it's only about 77 minutes. Seventy short. It's pretty short. Yeah. And it basically starts out, there's this young girl and her mom, they're on an airplane, and everything starts going haywire. The plane crashes, and then you see the little girl walking off through the snowy forest, And she has like a leg brace on in a moment that I'm sure Eric Holmes loves flash forward 20 years. It's his favorite move (laughs) flash forward 20 years. And she is now obviously 20 years older. She's got her own daughter. Uh, She's being interviewed because she was the only the sole survivor of this airplane crash. and, And she's not a celebrity per se, but she's noted for that. You know, I never caught exactly where it was. It seems like it's Russia. It might be Russia or Ukraine. I don't know. It's one of those countries. The base of the idea is that she's going to be flying off with her daughter. And then she says, I have to face it. And I'm not afraid of it anymore. And this is the thing. She gets on the plane and things start happening. And that's kind of the, the basis of the movie. Um, that's a great premise, by the way. It seems yeah, like for 70 kind minutes. Of- yeah, it's uh, something like that. Yeah, it's kind of Twilight Zone-ish, at least it was to me. Like, this is definitely, you've got a really simple concept. You put all the characters in play, and then you find out how it plays out. And there, of course, there's going to be some kind of twist or something spooky or something exciting. And there's things to be found in this movie. And I will let Eric take it from there. Yeah, this was a uh, pretty pretty fun kind of thriller 
I guess. Psychological thriller, maybe? Yeah, probably. Because, yeah, so when she's an adult and she goes on the plane, because we don't see, we, we know that the plane crashes. We don't know why. Basically, a lot of the same things that happened to her as a kid is happening to her now as an adult. It's all playing out again as she's an adult, kind of, I guess. Yeah, this is this is a pretty decent thriller. The ending gets a little, I guess, confused or muddled a bit. Like, uh, not like men or, you know, something where it's like, what does all mean, man? Like, I think there is some internal logic, but it kind of gets a little messy towards the end. Were um, you disappointed? Did it disappoint your whole viewing experience or what, you know, as far as like, was it? A no, I just, I, I just kind of rolled with it. Um, it. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, this movie sucks now. It was just kind of like, okay, that, I guess that's what we're doing now. And that, and that's fine. And it, it's just, you know, when you see those, uh, see those movies where they kind of add a bunch of stuff and you're like, ah, oh, that, uh, does that add up or, you know, so on and so forth. We'll say real quick at the beginning when they do the thing and then they flash back. This did that well because they, I was immediately like, oh, great. Nothing's going to happen for a half hour. But no, they ju- they jump right into the story. And it made sense why they had to flash forward. So kudos to them for that. I usually hate that move because it's usually followed by nothing. It doesn't do this because the movie's short as hell. So it's it just kind of moves right along. Yeah, the I, I thought the performances were really good. I thought the uh, effects were, the effects were good inside the plane. Outside the plane. Uh, I, I think they there were some of the uh, CGI effects they probably overshot. Maybe probably would have been better. Like we know what the outside of a plane is. Like when it shakes, we know it's about to. If you're going to be that low budget, maybe not the best idea to go outside the plane too much because. It, it looks away but overall this, this is a pretty good movie uh pretty fun like kind of midnight movie sort of thing you eric. know it's not gonna win win any awards but yeah someone fun. someone asked you eric holmes action sci-fi thriller row 19 digital blu-ray dvd on may 31st okay so this week yeah. actually today as we're recording is it worth a digital purchase is wait for streaming or is it worth just checking out I, yeah I, I might say so I don't know if you need to buy the DVD, but like, you know, if it's like streaming on uh, what was it like streaming on Netflix or HBO Max or something like that? Like if, if it's on that, then yeah, fuck, go for it. It's pretty, pretty harmless and kind of, kind of fun. It's got some really good parts uh, through most of it. Okay. What about you, Bruce? Your thoughts on row 19? I think this is going to play better for people who have seen less genre movies like because i think this actually does the things that a lot of genre, these kind of genre movies have done before so i think that the more you've seen the more you're going to be like i've kind of done versions of this before and you might not be quite as entertained by it i was kind of in that camp i think for me the biggest thing was like one of the things is they get on the plane uh you're on a plane and there's like six or seven passengers on the plane and you're like okay is this pandemic or what is the deal because i have not been in a plane that has seven people on it in my life in the last what 25 30 years that's not a thing that happens that immediately lets you go like okay well something's or a little bit otherworldly is happening or something and, and I, i'm kind of with eric too on the effects i, I kind of thought the effects overall were they're definitely cgi mostly and that always kind of throws me out a little bit especially when there are things that there's no reason for them to be and there's a scene where we have some hand kind of things happening to windows why not just get some hands and put them on windows i i, I, don't I, I, I did like that part <laughs> <laughs> I like the I, I like the idea of it, but I didn't like right, the look fair. of it. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and that's just a taste thing. So I mean, you know, uh, I'd say to me, it's very middle of the road. It didn't it didn't piss me off. It didn't like anger me, but it definitely didn't 
interest me that much either. And for a 70 minute movie, they don't have a lot of time. You could be able to do a lot. I mean, we saw, <laughs> what did we just see? Petite Maman. And look what that can do in 70 something minutes. So uh, not that it has to re- compare to that, but I, okay, here, I would compare it to Shadow in the Clouds. Both have lots of flaws, but Shadow in the Clouds gave me a lot more bang for my buck in like 70 something minutes than this movie did. Okay. So row 19, what are your, what are your ratings? Eric Holmes, your rating on row 19. Probably three stars. You three know, stars? Just, yeah, not non-offensive, but, you know, pretty good overall. I would watch it again. What about you, Bruce? I'm probably two and a half. If it sounds interesting and it's already on your streaming service, give it a try. But I wouldn't go out of my way for it. Okay, so that is Row 19 as of this week, May 31st. It's already out on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. That is Row 19. A, what, what is it? A supernatural thriller, plane kind of situation. Actually, the premise sounds interesting. Eric gives it a mild recommendation, recommendation of three. Bruce gives it two and a half stars. And I'm just going to very quickly roll right through Crimes of the Future. Bruce, you don't want to hear about the plot or anything about this movie regarding David Cronenberg. You know, you're going to close your, close your ears. But ultimately, it's very – I did a YouTube review on the Deepest Dream channel. But this is a five-star banger for me because it's one of these things where crime to the future, It's it has all those Cronenberg – well, we can say tropes because it's within the Cronenberg universe. As Bruce was saying, it's Videodrome or if you – Appreciated video drum or even something like Dead Ringers or I still haven't seen the the fly, but I'm sure a lot of it is gross out stuff. There is a lot of gross out material regarding crimes of the future and basically the plot synopsis. You know, Leia Sadu, she is a former surgeon turned performance artist, and she her subject is Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen is a human being who, for some reason, in this post apocalyptic world, he is growing just different organs. It just keeps on growing organs. And this, these are organs that are not even known to the human body. His body is evolving. So part of the performance art is Leia Sudu's character. She, every performance, she takes a new organ out. She performs surgery on Vigo's character and she takes a new organ out. Now with this situation, there comes a lot of bureaucratic mess in it. Kristen Stewart is part of the people who wants a little piece of Vigo's character and his, she, she's the one in the movie that says surgery is the new sex. So there is the body horror type regarding Cronenberg. There's also a lot of ideas that he throws in regarding technology and evolution, all, all these big ideas regarding crimes of the future. It hits theaters on June 3rd. One of the barriers to entry, obviously, like is the aforementioned gross out stuff. And also another barrier to entry is if you love stuff like Eastern Promises or History Violence, a lot of action. There's not a lot of action in this movie. There is violence, but there's just not a lot of visceral action in Crimes of the Future. It's more of a thinking person's movie. So I would say this is a five out of five for me. But again, I'm a huge Cronenberg fan. So that's Crimes of the Future. That's one of the movies that's coming out this Friday, June 3rd. Another film that is coming out on Friday, but it's coming out via Hulu, is Fire Island. Bruce Perky, you're a big fan. All three of us were big fans of Andrew Ahn's driveways were you surprised actually you were what 10 minutes into fire island when you were surprised at who the director was bruce yeah i was totally surprised i remember you i i think i just i had messaged off something like thanks greg this this is really interesting i wouldn't have come across or something like that and you're like well it's like you know andrew on and i was like andrew on andrew on what do i know andrew on's name from and i looked it up and i'm like oh crap andrew on did driveways okay that that scans and it kind of doesn't scan at the same time. So, but yeah, I was very surprised, happily surprised. Yeah, it's set in the Fire Island Pines and Fire Island, it centers, it's a modern day rom-com inspired by Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. And it centers on a group of just mid-20s, early 30s something, 
like late, actually late twenties something gay friends. They used to work on Fire Island at a I, I think at a bar lounge restaurant, and, and they've been going to Fire Island for the last ten years. They're sort of mother in the mix. Sort of the, their den mother is played by Margaret Cho, and the actors involved are Joel Kim Booster. The, the, Joel Kim Booster is the main actor in this movie. He also co-wrote. He also wrote the screenplay. He's very talented. Bowen Yang from Saturday Night Live plays Joel's best friend. They're best buddies. And Conrad Ricamora, James Scully, Matt Rogers, Thomas Matos, Torian Miller. Really interesting, excellent, engaged ensemble regarding this on rom-com. One of these things that Driveways does, it really moved me, all three of us, several couple years back when it was released. I'm so glad that on brought a lot of humanity into this rom-com feature. Did you feel that same way regarding Fire Island, Bruce? I felt exactly the same way, yes. I think that, and I don't know a, a ton of... Andrew On's other work. I don't even know if he has very many other features, but he probably has at least shorts if he doesn't have other features. And once again, I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me. At least with these two, he takes things that sound very like middle of the road or very like common. Like I've seen a movie like that before. Like when you describe driveways to people or you describe this movie to people, you don't get the flavor that he really imbues two things. Uh, Like you said, emotion. But I feel like in both these movies, he is really content to sit with the characters and you feel like i mean part of it's the writing of course but you feel like he really likes the characters too like these characters you just want to sit with them and to the point that you're rooting and you know these characters really really well um what i'll point out about this movie that i really love so this is almost like the stereotypical uh, a gay version right of the stereotypical spring break movie right where a bunch of friends all gonna go to spring break and we're all gonna party and go crazy and meet the love of our life for two days and then we'll leave and that's it you know and it's like and you know craziness ensues and partying and wackiness and blah 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 and it starts out kind of like that but really quickly what it does that i thought was interesting first of all noah and howie these two main characters first and foremost this movie is a friendship movie for those two it's also a rom-com but it's those two's friendship and Second and most interesting, especially to, I mean, here you got 50 something, you know, white hetero dude, right? So I don't know the ins and outs of Fire Island very well. I don't know even how accurate this is. It seems to me like it probably is fairly accurate because one of the things it really gets into is like all the kind of clicks, you know, within the gay community and all that this group that we're following are considered outsiders and kind of uncool to the point that it's a running joke, right? Every time... There, there's two kind of groups, main groups that you see in this movie. And our group is the outsider group. And it, they go to this kind of, it's like the cool house, right? With all the totally cut, 100% fit buff dudes, you know? And every time the one guy walks into the house, another guy walks down the stairs and says, hello, can I help you? And it's like, wait, I was just here, dude. And that's like one of the one of the kind of ideas of this movie. It's romantic. It's got all the beats that you'd expect. It even calls it out and is a little bit self-consciously calls out the beats of the rom-coms, but they still work. This is a fantastically awesome, fun. This is a movie that as long as you don't have a problem with gay people, which if you do, maybe you should watch this even more. But unless that's a barrier to entry to you, this is a no-brainer. This is like summer. start the summer off and watch this movie. You know, you can make a rom-com and it could be a nice, fluffy rom-com. That does not mean it can't be deep. And this movie right. is deep for yep. within that trope. There is a moment where Margaret Cho, I was, I really, she does this monologue, which I forget a little bit, but it's an extended monologue sequence when she's re- reflecting on something. 
And she's fantastic in it. And I was thinking, man, I wish I saw her more of these Margaret Cho performances over the years. And it's great that Andrew Ahn really knows to get, gets the best out of his actors. Look, look at Brian Denno, he and the kid from Driveway. So well done. And I know he did another movie before this. I think it's Spa Night or Korean Spa, something about Spa. But definitely have to check that out as well regarding Andrew Andrew Ahn. And I think Fire Island is a step up regarding it's not as indie-driven as Driveways. This will be seen by a lot more people. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Andrew Ahn's career next, what kind of material he'll be tackling because Fire Island, for me, I mean, this is this is an excellent film. This is, to me, is a straight-up four-and-a-half-star film within that genre. So what about you, Bruce, on Fire Island? Yeah, I'm, I'm four-and-a-half-star, too. And we got to call out awesome soundtrack, too. Like, I don't know if the soundtrack is coming out, but if you need a great soundtrack for summer, this is it. Just put it on and you're good to go. Okay, Fire Island released June 3rd on Hulu. Highly recommended from me and Bruce. We both give it four and a half stars. Eric Holmes, we're going to actually timestamp this segment so we don't have to go get back to this. What, what can we expect regarding your coverage of Hulu and Disney films? You can make your statement right now and then we will oh, there, move There on. won't be any. <laughs> As I mentioned before, uh, Disney, Bob Chapek uh, specifically donated money to a uh, you know people that basically enacted the don't say gay bill into law. And so I can't, can't support any company that does that. Same reason I don't go to Chick-fil-A. If Kevin Spacey shows up in a movie, it's a little different because it's one, you know, it's one guy. But like when a whole company is doing it, I feel pretty bad about it. That said, I mean, from what you guys are describing, I'm glad that, uh, you know, Disney is putting out stuff like this. My thoughts are that's the least they could do. And I hope they keep, continue to do it. And I would also say that if you already own you know, Disney plus or Hulu or whatever, maybe check this out because the, you know, these are filmmakers that need it. If you're going to, uh, if you want to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi and ignore everything else, I'd love to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I cannot. Part of a boycott is even not watching the stuff that you want to. That's fair. But uh, if Disney's putting out stuff like this, get on them. And I hope people watch it and, you know, give it the attention it deserves. I won't be doing any coverage on Disney or Hulu because of what I just said. And I'm not going to belabor that point anymore on this uh, program. I, I said it once when it started, I said it now, but I will say, you know, if uh, Disney, they got a lot of money and they uh, donated to uh, affect, pol- affect policy that hurts people, um, maybe uh, maybe they want to affect policy that helps people. Do four of those, change four policies, and I'll, I'll jump back on board. But until then, I'm out with Disney and Hulu for as long as Disney owns Hulu. So that is Eric Holmes goes to Washington. Fair, that is very fair, Eric Holmes. I'm glad I, I we, we gave you your stump speech on that. Really uh, support you on this endeavor. I Bruce, did you tell Eric Holmes that I'm actually cutting the segment for uh, Greg raises your hands? <laughs> Just cutting this on the you podcast. Don't care. You're just going to like awkwardly like dub in like, I love Disney. Every time he says something, yeah, yes. I really, really the, love the sad, Disney and Hulu. The sad <laughs> thing is that I stopped going to Chick-fil-A years ago when they started donating to the uh, gay conversion therapy. You know, that didn't sit right with me. And I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to Chick-fil-A. And they flourished since then. Uh, Disney enacted a uh, don't say gay bill and help enact don't say gay bill into law. And Disney continues to flourish. And they'll, as I mentioned to you guys, eventually they're going to own all these studios and 
I'm just going to have to stop watching movies altogether. So please do not do that. Eric Holmes, you just depressed me. We have another hour and a half to go regarding movie coverage. Stop that right now. Stop, stop. <laughs> I, I applaud you, Eric Holmes. You have a lot of integrity, but as Bruce Perky and you know, I have no idea how to actually spell that word. Next up is a movie called Watcher. Hey. What? What's up? Nothing. There's this guy that lives across the street, and he's always looking over here. Looking over here how? Every time I look over there, he's just standing in his window, and it's like he's staring right at me. Which window is it? Right there. I can't see anything. Because it's day. He only looks in at night? I can only see him at night. Doesn't mean that he's not... You know what? Forget it. No, come on. Mm. If you're feeling uncomfortable about something, you should talk about it. Really? I'm fine. So you're Diane Keaton? Mm Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I said. Do you, do you remember that song, Eric Holmes or Bruce? Yeah, don't say, if you sing it, I'll probably cut it. Remember that song, I'm a Girl Watcher? Oh, yeah. Were, yeah, yeah. Speaking uh, of know. creepy. Yeah, that's like that. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine putting I'm a Girl Watcher that, in Watcher? Yeah. By the way, directed and co-written by Chloe Okuno. Bruce and Eric Holmes, I am drawing from you guys. Do you guys know who Chloe Okuno is? Please tell me that both of you who I look up to for horror genre stuff – Know who she is, please. Oh, but this is gonna don't act like me she's... because I'm the one every I've... week who doesn't do their homework. Not you. Guys. I've still got the right watcher song stuck in my head. Somebody's you're right, right? Very good. I'm not gonna cut that because that was only a couple seconds. Eric Holmes, you know who Chloe Okuno is? I do not. Oh boy, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. You try to t- teach me. About oh, I drawing. know. I'm just not gonna say that's it. Oh, oh, oh you know? <laughs> yeah, me okay. too. That, okay. That's my answer. You guys taught me two and a half years ago about the the beauty and the principles behind Jalo and all that stuff and Dario Argento and here we go Mario Bava. I was your underling, and I still am, by the way. Chloe Okuno. She's one of the directors of a film called VHS 94. She did a short called. Storm Drain. At the ah. bottom of Storm Drain is a creature <laughs> called Ratma. Hail Ratma. Do you guys now remember that short? Oh my gosh, Eric Holmes, you don't remember that short. Bruce, is do that you remember the... that? Yes. Oh, that, okay. Because that, I only watched one of the VHS ones and someone we covered here. That's the one with the thing in the in the tunnel? Yeah, yeah okay. the tunnel. The broadcaster, right. female broadcaster, she goes and, and yeah. then it's... Did you? Um, I, did I, we, yeah, good, good call. I suck at life. <laughs> no, no, no. Both of you, we we all loved it, didn't we? We liked Rotman, that other one at the end, right? Yeah, were, that, I liked all the segments the, from that. Right. Fair, fair, fairness. Yeah, all, everything in VHS ninety four. Very underrated film, by the way. I, I, for some reason, I was thinking like VHS eighty seven or something. I, I thought it was like an eighties one. Maybe I'm conflating that with the Fear Street. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's Whatever. hard. Yeah, but anyways, Chloe Okuno, she is the director behind Storm Drain. She is now the director behind Watcher. Very elegant psychological thriller in the vein of, well, I don't know, Roman Polanski, Alfred Hitchcock, Brian De Palma. This time, this version, this Watcher from IFC Midnight, led by Maika Monroe. It's set in Bucharest. I believe Bucharest in Romania. Maika Monroe plays a an American transplant. She goes 
to Romania with her boyfriend, with her husband, actually husband played by Carl, actor Carl Glussman. So Julia is the name of Maika Monroe, and she joins her husband in Romania. He has a new job there, and she's a fish out of water. Her husband, he's, he speaks Romanian. He's part of the culture. Everything's fine. You know, even though he's, he was born, in the, he was raised in the U.S., he knows the language. Everything's fine for him. Not too much is fine for her, though, even though they live in a nice, beautiful, I guess, high-rise apartment, and it's everything, it overlooks the city. It's gorgeous. One night, she, she opens her drapes, or I guess her blinds, and she sees this shadowy figure staring at her, not very cool. And she believes there's someone who might be watching her, the aforementioned watcher. And the rest of this narrative centers on whether, yes, is Julia, played by Maika Monroe, is she imagining this stalker or is this person really stalking her? That is the premise for Watcher. Very interesting Movie Watcher will stream exclusively on Shutter on August 26th. You can actually see it in theaters this Friday, June 3rd. Bruce Perky, your initial thoughts, your overall thoughts regarding Watcher. Did it work for you? It, it did. I think this is a pretty solid movie. I, I think it could be great, but it doesn't quite go to the great status for me, but it's pretty solid. Would it have been it, great if it had, if it had Ratma? Would, would, would Ratma? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the first thing I thought about was this would be fantastic directed by Brian De Palma in his heyday. This would yeah. be a knockout movie. And I think it needs Oh, because little... it's directed by a male, right? Right, Bruce? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's the reason. Eric, can we get Bruce out of here? He was saying about him being a heterosexual male, white male, and he wants more of those. Andrew Ons direct more of those movies. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you, Bruce. I'm boycotting this podcast. That's fine. Never, never talk to me again. I'll just be like a black Arms cross, box boycott, here. Enacted. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm sorry, Bruce. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just felt like it needed a little more flash and dazzle, but it's going for the slow burn and it does it really well. I I also want to mention that Maika Monroe is really, really good in this. She's almost, I almost got shades of Florence Pugh, almost. I think Florence Pugh is a high bar to achieve, so she may not quite be there. But I, I think that she's an actress to watch. Maika is really good in this. It follows. And, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like the other movie that does this very well, I like Midsummer. The, this movie and Midsummer are both highly into gaslighting. This movie is so strong on illustrating what gaslighting is like for uh, a person. What this does really well is it really isolates her in so many ways with the language and location and everything. So she's she is in an unnerving situation before anything happens. And there's constantly these moments where people around her that she trusts are talking another language and she asks them what they're saying and they say things to her. And you're kind of wondering, well, were they saying the truth to her? And are people not telling her what's really happening or is she imagining it? That's a big part of this movie. So I think to its detriment, it's slow burns a little too long for me. I think it could have turned the corner a little sooner or ramped it up a little more a little sooner. And that's, once again, a personal taste thing. That's what kind of keeps it from going kind of the highest heights for me. But that being said, for me, the very, very final acts of this movie, probably the last 15 to 20 minutes. Oh, geez. Yeah. There's some really good stuff. And I was worried this movie was going to be kind of toothless, kind of gutless. And when it gets to the final, final acts, it doesn't pull its punches. And I was, I appreciated that. I think ultimately it, it comes down, uh, it, it sticks the landing, as we like to say. So I think that that actually helps it quite a bit. And I think, I think a lot of people really enjoy this movie. I think this is a, this is definitely one of those movies. If you like those woman in the window across the street kind of thrillers, it has that. But if you like kind of a little bit more artsy, 
kind of thriller horror movies, it kind of has some of that too. So I think it's got a little both. Eric Holmes, your thoughts on Watcher? This movie does paranoia very well. And also to Bruce's point, they they play with uh, gaslighting very well too. Uh, because, you know, I'm watching the movie and she's like, oh, he's following me. I'm like, well, is, is he though? Are you watching like, it, 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 it's all It's almost like the movie invites you into gaslight her as well. Because they're not, what did he do other than look creepy? And they played scary music, but the characters don't hear the scary music. We hear the scary music. So there's nothing, you don't see anything other than the music that cues you in. You don't really see anything that corroborates her story. You, you kind of get the sense that the movie wants you to think that, but it doesn't, it planets flag there. And then it's also so, a small city. It's also very small. Remember, they yeah. actually make the point that's kind of a small town. So you're yeah. actually thinking, well, like the part she drops it, you know, she gets scared and she drops the, well, when he's on the other side of the aisle and he's looking at whatever and she's looking at whatever. And then she looks at him and then he looks at her and it's like, well, I mean, you looked at him first, you know? So, so there's, there's a bunch of parts in here where you can kind of be like, well, you're kind of, maybe you're the, maybe you're the stalker here. And that's where I thought they were going. They play with that really well. They, I mean, it, as far as I am, when I was watching it, it fucked with me in that way really well. The you only know, thing I didn't like about this was the tag at the end. There's an ending. Uh, we'd have to get into spoilers, but there, there's an ending where it's like, holy crap, they fucking went for it. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of, there was a, yeah. a thing after that where they kind of cocked out. And I, I, I agree. That seemed, I agree. That seemed like, what? No, stop. Like, I, I forgave it like a, because it was so strong before that, but I agree yeah, with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, it, it didn't ruin the movie, but this is kind of like a high tension sort of situation where it's like you stop watching the movie right here and it's brilliant. You keep watching, it's like it kind of takes it down a notch. It's like, yeah. hmm, I was, well, interesting. We'll, we'll talk about later on what about the ending, about the tag at the end, which I have different thoughts on that, but I, I was fine with that tag. But Eric, I want to ask you if you were fine with something with. Bruce was saying, he's saying he liked the movie, but he felt it slow burned a little bit too much. Do you agree on this assessment or did you feel the slow burn was good for you because it kept you out of sorts for most of the film? Did you enjoy that part of it? I I didn't mind it mostly because also Bruce mentioned that they speak French in this without subtitles. So we're right there with her. Like she's, she didn't know what they're saying. If you're, if you speak French, you know exactly what they're saying. But if you don't speak French, like I don't speak (laughs) French. (laughs) <laughs> or Romanian, you'd be like, it's Romanian. You, I think you're oh, having Romanian. You're, you're having. If you speak ba- French, you also don't know what they're saying. <laughs> okay, so. You know what? It's, it goes back to bad luck banging or loony, loony porn. Eric Holmes, you have PTSD from watching that. I think. Yeah, I, I, I thought for sure. Well, anyway, I'm, I am I'm totally that. But, yeah, Chris- but point being, they're speaking a language that I don't speak. And that the character doesn't speak either. I thought it was really cool that they didn't have subtitles. Like it's kind of like kind of missing a lot of this conversation here. But so she, and so you're kind of. I think I think that helps with the gaslighting bit though, because yeah. on one hand, like you kind of you're kind of there. You understand along with the music and everything that clues you in. But like with the uh, you know people talking, and you can't understand certain things. Um, you kind of understand why she's freaked out a little bit. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I didn't know what they said. Maybe it's completely innocent. And and, and the, the movie just, it, it's so good at just not letting you off the hook. It's just, which way is it going to, which way is it going to turn out? Is, is she justified in being freaked out by this guy? Or is she just, is she uh, prejudging him because of how he looks? Chloe Okuno 
I had a, a slight advantage over Bruce and Eric regarding watching Watcher because I, I looked up her IMDb and I, and I was blown away the fact that she did Storm Drain. And Storm Drain, one of the things is, I'm not going to give too much away regarding, go see VHS 94. One of the things that Storm Drain does really well, other than the aforementioned Ratma, is this sense of dread. You are nervous to see what's in the freaking Storm Drain. You are panicking. There is a moment in Watcher where, let's say, a couple of individuals are trying to knock on the door of said of another individual. By a lesser filmmaker, it could seem very laborious, monotonous, monotonous, tropey, but it is absolutely i think so far this year it was one of the probably my my most terrifying moment was seeing what would happen regarding a knock on the door and it takes a lot of skill to pull that off regarding what bruce was saying regarding the slow burn i do feel it did went it went a little bit too elegant thriller slow burn for me at points but i would i forgave that because you know i've seen my share of de palma and hitchcock films i'm i'm glad it went elegant and introspective and all that slow burning stuff for most of it, my only each of us had like a little bit of complaints regarding Watcher. I think all of us will are ultimately going to recommend this. My only complaint is the gaslighting theme. Loved it. I wanted the ending to go a different way, plot wise, and we will talk about it during our spoilers, which we're not going to take. But I, I I like to talk more. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll record a, like a five minute thing. And it's just me as a a wannabe wannabe writer. I would I definitely want to tell you and Eric how I wanted Watcher to end. That said, as Bruce said, the final fifteen minutes is ter- is for me was terrifying, and you're at the edge of your seat. So it will do a. This is at at the very least a recommend. Okay, to watch Watcher. And, you know, comes out on Shudder, no disrespect to Shudder, on August. If you want a psychological thriller right now, check it out in theaters. It's a different, look, psychological thriller in Romania. You're going to see different locations. So let's start off with Eric Holmes regarding your rating on Watcher. What do you give it? Uh, This would have easily been a five star for me, but that tag at the end. I, I can't four and we'll do four and a half, which is still it's still really yeah. good. But that tag at the end just did not do it for me. Four and a half stars. So that is very very good. Five stars. It, it would have been five stars again. I'm gonna beat beat oh, the yeah. horse. It would it would have been five stars if it had rotten at the end, right? It, it, if they would have stuck had Ratma? the landing, if they oh, would yeah. either stuck the land, like if they were gonna continue on, because there's there's a version of this movie where without that tag they. The thi- oh. okay, we'll, we'll talk about it. Well, when we're done with there, there's, there's a point. There's a version of this where they continue the story, and I'm fine with that. Just the way they did that last few seconds, it was like the mm. the last thing was like no, yeah, <laughs> that does yeah. that doesn't track at all. Yeah, um, but well. but that's the that's it's so tiny. It's so tiny because the rest of it is so good. I I, I, I thought it was uh, everything they aimed for. I thought they nailed. Again, Brian De Palma is my favorite director. Eric was talking about it, it doesn't track. When things don't track, that means it's my favorite, like one of my favorite films. I don't, I like illogical stuff. I don't know, Bruce. Tag at the end, a little bit too much slow burn. What is your ultimate rating? We go, Eric gave it four and a half. What do you give it? I probably go three and a half. I agree with Eric though about the end, but that doesn't knock it down for me. It's really just before that I wanted it to get to some places a little sooner. But I mean, it's still it's still a really solid movie. I think it's worth watching. Solid recommend from Bruce Perky. I agree with Eric Holmes. Watcher for me gets four and a half stars. Four and a half stars for me and Eric Holmes. Three and a half stars for Bruce. Again, Friday, June 3rd in 500 theaters. Everywhere you rent movies on June 21st, 2022. So that, I believe that is it for all our featured movies. Am I correct, Bruce, on this? Because my Google Doc is kind of crazy. I think it is. Yes, it is. Now we are going to recommendations 
Norm Macdonald, nothing special. You got that, Eric? You are you saw that recently? Oh yeah, I was uh, <laughs> I was on the Netflix, just refreshing, refresh. As soon as yeah. it hit midnight, I'm like refresh, refresh, refresh. About twelve oh five, I went online. Oh, it's twelve o'clock Pacific time. All right, I'll come back in. <laughs> it was like twelve fifty nine. Refresh, refresh, refresh. One o'clock, bam, there it play. And I watched uh, Norm Macdonald's Nothing Special. If you watch her find your film game that me and Steve do, you'll know that. Uh, especially the last one, I think Steve mentioned that uh, we're big fans of Norm Macdonald. Steve even more than I am. And so this was a. I, I think most people know, but I guess Norm Macdonald. This was like thought he had COVID or something. And wanted to get something on tape in case he goes to the hospital and, you know, doesn't come back. And he came back and everything was fine. Uh, but he did obviously pass, pass away uh, earlier this year. And they, uh, they released it. And it's basically him just talking in a microphone in front of his computer, much like I'm doing right now. The three of us are doing. Um, I'm currently talking. You guys are not. But you will uh, soon enough, I'm sure. As a stand-up, it's, it's really hard to watch. Because he's got some, he's got some jokes here and there that are kind of, kind of funny. But I was watching, it going like, uh, yeah, this is like I can see because I've seen Norm Macdonald, I've seen the stand-ups, I watch him live up at the Chucklehead up in Denver. So I'm watching this and I'm watching him do the jokes, and I kind of miss him in front of an audience because there, you know, there's there's certain energy you get from the audience that you kind of feed off of, and you go in certain different directions. And when you do stand-up, and of course he didn't have the benefit of that because it, it's almost like he's trying out material, almost just to memorize it. And the, you know, there's some good stuff. Uh, some most of it's kind of dry, but I think if uh, I think if you're a, a comedian, there's something to be learned from this. But then he gets done in the in his uh, his recordings, probably about 40, 50 minutes or so. And then after that, it cuts to kind of a roundtable discussion with David Letterman, Dave Chappelle, Molly Shannon, Conan O'Brien, Adam Sandler, and David Spade. And then the first thing, <laughs> the first thing David Letterman says. I wonder what how this would go in front of a live audience. I'm like, fucking thank you. That's what I was thinking the whole time. So this is uh, this is more of an oddity. And it, it, well, first of all, it's more Norm, which is always a good thing because I, I love Norm. Did not know him at all. Uh, wish I did because you know he just seems like a seems like a fun guy. I love his I love his stand up. And it was kind of interesting watching his stand up, and it was even more uh, insightful listening to them comment on it because they know him and they, you know, they've seen him do stand up many times. It's like, oh, this part where he did, like, I could, when he did this joke, I could see that killing and he would just, you know, do this or like this joke bombed. And I could see him just leaning into that too because Norm MacDonald loved to just kind of bomb and then just, you know, make it less and less funny until it became funny again. <laughs> That's kind of one of uh, one of his brilliant moves. This is this would definitely be a recommend for me. But I mean, I'm I'm super biased on this. I I have no idea what people would think of this. I would say if you're watching it, uh, just know that the stand up, you know, he's going to have it's Norm. He's talking. He's charming. Uh, it's not going to be a laugh riot. But I think if you stick with it, the conversation they have at the end of it is really worth it. If you're a stand up comedian, this is a no brainer. You absolutely need to watch this. Okay, so that is Norm Macdonald, nothing special. Very, very cool. Uh, yeah, I wish I'm a, I'm a Norm Macdonald fan, not as big as you or Steve. Eric, are you a, a big Norm Macdonald guy? How about you, Bruce? You oh, like um, I like him. I'm, I'm not really fully versed on him. I, I remember him mostly from early stand up and like Saturday Night Live's days. So I, in the last, I don't know, 
20 years, I've kind of fallen off the Norm MacDonald knowledge. So I probably have a lot of catching up to do. Do you saw, did you see Norm's last standup appearance mm-hmm. on, on uh, Letterman? Oh, you, you oh okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Fantastic. Of course, of course, you did, Eric. Yeah. What we, yeah. What we were <laughs> oh, say? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Uh, my my suggestion too, Bruce, is just start off with just Norm Macdonald. Uh, you know, with Letterman, his last performance, you would be surprised if you don't shed a tear. It's very, very, uh, very moving. So yeah, they they mentioned that in the in the discussion at oh really the end because um, uh, like during the roast and during uh, Norm Macdonald's. Um, appearances like he get real heartfelt it, like they were all kind of mentioned that it's like it, it, it was weird how he was wearing his heart on his sleeve and then they kind of were like oh it's uh, he knew he was he knew his days were numbered so he wanted to he wanted to spend the rest of his days letting people know yes. what he meant to him and yes. so that 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 was kind of some sweet insight on uh yeah on the person from his friends makes a lot of sense you know regarding with, with him not telling everyone about his diagnosis and everything in the last couple of years of his life so again that is that is the recommendation from Eric Holmes you have another recommendation before we get to Bruce Eric I do oh the wild boys the wild boys you want to save that for next week what is this this is weird because it, it goes into my recommendation for when we do cinematics you know what I, I will save it I will save it for next week um, I will say check it out it's uh very I'd rate this very highly. It's very weird. Where's it streaming? Oh, Where's it? Stream? I oh, I think it's not on Tubi or okay, Vudu. It, it was one of it was one of the free ones because I noticed there was like a bunch of commercials and stuff. It it, it opens up uh, kind of uh, some a uh, bunch of kids do a horrible act on their teacher. There's a bunch of jism flying everywhere, and then they go to court and they're ordered to go to this guy that's going to set them straight. So it's kind of almost like a clockwork orange. You know, Alex goes in with the droogs, does the shit and gets, goes to like a conversion, not gay conversion, but like a, well, actually almost, uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> but uh, this guy brings him to an Island and he's supposed to basically turn them into non shitheads at this Island. And then it gets very, um, very progressive as far as transsexualism goes. Like the the uh, trans is very heavy in this movie, like extremely heavy. I would say Wild Boys, check it out. It's not going to be for everyone, and it's very weird. It it it'd almost be like if uh, uh, Yodorowsky, someone was like, "Hey, you want to uh, you want to do a, a remake of Clockwork Orange?" He's like, "Yes, I do," but I just watched the Lost of Boys, the Wild Boys, uh, with, uh, but not not the Lost Boys. What's the uh, Lord of the Flies? Oh, Lord of the Flies. Right? I just watched the Lord of the Flies, and I want to put that into Clockwork Orange, and then. Uh, you get the wild boys and yeah, this movie's really, really weird, really cool. And I already talked about it too much. We should probably talk about it more next week. But, no, no, uh, you already talked about enough about the wild okay. boys. No, we're not going to talk about it next week. Bruce, you okay. want to talk about the wild boys next week? What do you think? It wild sounds interesting. And I thought I saw it popping up on stuff coming out like this next week. So I didn't think it was out yet. This is a but... movie released in 2017. No, that, Gaillet yeah. du Cinema gave it the best film, the top 10 film award winner yeah. du Bertrand Mandico and he's the writer and director of Lost Boys and he's also writing and directing After Wild Boys. Blue which is we'll, we'll bring that up in cinematics but okay. I, I, that's all I, I saw After Blue looks interesting I'm going to watch this Wild Boys and I did oh. and now that I did I'm like I should have saved it for next week. <laughs> I should have saved it for next week. That's what she said. Okay, so I, I always like to put that's what she said because that's an old office joke and I don't have any more jokes. But that's the Wild Boys actually released in 2017, received a ton of critical acclaim when it came I out. I can see why. The, the, this movie's fantastic. 
Okay. Okay. That's very interesting that Eric actually did some extra, extra credit homework regarding recommendations for The Wild Boys. Maybe check it out. Go to justwatch.com and see where The Wild Boys is streaming, possibly in, on Tubi. Before we get to Bruce's box segment, he has a recommend. Prime Video. Uh, Bruce. Yeah. Prime Video dropped um, this last Friday, I believe, dropped the movie Emergency, which I think was in Sundance this year, directed by Carrie Williams. Stars R.J. Seiler, I guess I'm saying the name right, as Sean and Kunle, played by Donald Elise Watkins. And their friend, their two friends, and then their friend is Carlos, played by Sebastian Chacon. So the basic concept is this. Sean and Kunle are these two friends in college, and it's, college is almost over. Kunle is like the real studious dude. He's like going to get his doctorate and end up going off to Princeton. Sean is kind of a little more fun-loving, you know, crazy guy. But he's also, you know, he's in college. He's doing okay. But he's trying to always get his kind of like stuffy, more studious friend to go out and have fun and all this stuff. And he, one, one time he points out that uh, at this college, there's the, the there's this wall of black first. Like all the black people that have gone to this college have done the first. I've been the first to do this, this, and this. And he says, we need to be the first to complete the legendary tour. And the legendary tour is to go basically to all of these parties. Like some of them are exclusive. Some of them are nerdy. Some of them are like just all these college parties in one night. They have to do the whole tour. And if they do, they're going to get on this wall of fame. So this is kind of the beginning of this movie. You're like, oh, it's going to be this fun loving, almost like Harold and Kumar kind of thing. And they're both really engaging. They're really funny. They have a great kind of camaraderie between the two, two different personalities. They're getting ready and he has to kind of you know, uh, Sean has to kind of convince Kunle to go for it and leave behind his studies because he's been doing this, you know, this scientific experiments for his doctorate or not doctorate, his um, thesis, his thesis. He's trying to get his thesis finished. There's this whole thing about he has these, the th- for his thesis, the uh, things that he has to get tested on have to be kept refrigerated. So as he walks away, the refrigerator pops open and he's go, they're going to get ready. He's like, oh my God, I got to go back there. And on the way... When they go back there, and this is not going to be really a spoiler, they have to stop by their house, which is where Carlos lives with them. Carlos is their kind of like their third roommate. And they're keeping Carlos out of the party because he's kind of almost too uncool to be with them. They don't want to admit to them that's what happened. So when they get back to their house, Carlos is there and they're surprised to see a young woman passed out next to a pool of puke on the floor of their house. Perhaps we could persuade a friend to call 911 Someone a little less, um, you know. What, brown? So a white person? A female would be preferable. Um, we could, we could call Bianca. I mean, she cool, but she don't know all us that well. Okay, who knows us? Um, Asa. I would rather not put my life in the hands of my ex. Plus, she a black queen. We need a white girl. Um, uh, that's funny. I I don't know too many of my white female peers. Troubling. Oh, oh, we we could call White Sean. The football player. Football players never get in trouble, right? It's White Sean, White Sean. Ooh, come on, White Sean. Hey, hey, White Sean. Where are you? So you're not on campus? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, gotta go. And the two look at each other. And of course, Kunle, he's the studious kid, right? He's like, well, let's just call the, call 911. And Sean's like, no, we're two black guys. And we have a white girl on our floor, passed out and drunk. We do not call 
911. And thus call. begins the adventure. What are they going to do with this drunk, nearly unconscious white girl? It's a really odd mixture of friendship party movie and social movie. And as I was watching it, I was like, this is a really interesting, weird movie. This is not going to work for some people because it does tonally go like really wildly two different places. But what I almost thought about it was like this. It's almost in a strange sense, a meta movie in that, hey, we're going to have a Harold and Kumar movie. But guess what? If you're a young black man in America, you don't even get to have your Harold and Kumar movie. <laughs> you're, the man is still going to fuck up your movie. And that's kind of what this movie does. And it goes darker than you think it would be, but it also is consistently a fun friend stoner drunken movie too so it's weird it's a really really weird movie but i really dug it quite a bit i would probably give it four stars hey it's on amazon prime give it a try i guarantee the first 15 minutes you're gonna think it's one kind of thing now that i've kind of warned you you'll know that it's a little different as it goes and it goes from really interesting places and it does even things that you wouldn't expect it had to do in this movie like for example it it gets into what it is to be a certain kind of black man in America. If you're a black man that's super studious and, quote, white, like, how do your friends consider you? Like, what does that mean? And it does a lot with that, too. But it does it all in kind of a weird and playful and also nerve-wracking way sometimes. It's it's a very interesting movie. Say, remember, check this one out. Do you remember R.J. Seiler? Do you, know, do you remember where he's from? I do not. Me and Earl Earth. and the Dying Girl. Oh, my God. No wonder. I, I was watching. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this guy is amazing. Why do I know this guy from? Oh, my God. That's so great. RJ Seller from Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. So that is Emergency, currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Four stars from Bruce Perky. He gives it a pretty good recommendation. Go check it out. Tell us what you think of Emergency. Before we get to the box, there's one more thing. And I just want to get this over with. Top, Top Gun Maverick, I gave it five stars. Bruce Perky, how many stars do you give it? You called it a micro dick. So zero? <laughs> two st- is it a, look, is it a generous two stars? Do you want to give it something lower? No, I think that um, the... F- there are like 10 minutes at the end of this movie where it finally decides to have fun and do something that it's not expected to do. And there are actually some personality in the characters. And I was like, okay, now this is the goofy, silly movie that is just having fun that I'm enjoying. Uh, and I like that. That happened for about 10 minutes. I'm going to give Eric Holmes' review right now before Eric Holmes actually steps in. This is from Eric Holmes' mouth. I love propaganda films. This movie is awesome. Tom Cruise is my favorite actor. I saw it at my local theater over the weekend on IMAX. My ears, eyes, and you know what's were blown away. 6.9 stars. Total banger. In fact, they should not even call it a banger. They should just rename the banger name. They should just name it. It was a Tom Cruiser. That is Eric Holmes' review for Top Gun Macro Dick. Was I correct, Eric Holmes, regarding your review or was I a little bit off? What do you uh, think? I, I probably call it Top Gun Magnum after, <laughs> after that. But, uh, uh, yeah, so this movie started off. Uh, we, we went with a bunch of friends, uh, you know, my brother Steve, Hug, Chris, Nicole. There, there was a bunch of us, and uh, we went and saw it. And uh, the movie started, and I was like, because I'd, I'd seen that uh, Bruce and uh, Andrew Martin were like not all about this movie. And did and you I was see? Like, the- ah, well, there's they, they don't they don't know nothing. 
They Bruce, don't know. By nothing. the way, Bruce Perky and Andrew Martin are Andrew Martin's our our esteemed colleague. He does Andrew watches movies. Andrew yeah. Martin and Bruce they were they were just they were trying to be the voice of reason. They gave their honest opinion regarding Top Gun Maverick. Okay, and and I was trying to defend them. That there's a whole crew of Facebook people who are saying, "No, I can't believe it. We all love we all love Top Gun Maverick." And you know, being friends of Andrew Martin and Bruce Perky, I I would. I was going to try to defend them, but for some reason, my Facebook app didn't work on my phone. <laughs> I just couldn't get on. To well, <laughs> to be honest, though, me and Andrew, if we, we can both be kind of cranky, too. It's true. I mean, right. you know, it but anyway, yeah. So, so I, I saw that, and then the, the Top Gun Maverick started, or Top Gun Magnum started. Magnum, I like and, it. Uh, uh, it started, and I was like, oh, fuck the right. God, this is going to fucking suck, because I fucking I, okay. I, I love only the brave. I, I mentioned yeah. that, and this movie does not. You love this movie does. This movie does not get to only the brave status. Okay. However, there. Magnum understood the assignment. Thank you. <laughs> they knew they were making a Top Gun sequel, and they made a fucking Top Gun sequel. And then uh, once uh, once they got to that opening scene with the uh, the Mach Ten, I, I guess they lifted from the right stuff, which makes sense because Zed Harris is there. <laughs> And, okay, <laughs> I, I will sense. start with what I did not like. I did not okay. like the uh, I did not like the opening credit scene that just went on way too long. And I was like, right. "Oh fuck, this is." And then look, we don't see Tom Cruise, but we know it's Tom Cruise because we got to get this big Magnum or this uh, big Maverick re- reveal. And when they finally did, I'm like, "This is not going to go well. This is not going to go well." And then they started kind of getting into the movie, and then they had some fun like uh, Top Gun moments. And then I kind and then I kind of once the movie got going. And they started doing like the, uh, they set up what, you know, they did the Jules Dassin thing, like uh, Rafifi. They set up what Rafifi they set up what the Gambit is. And Top Gun Maverick are in the same sentence. Bruce, you endorse I mean, that. They're kind of, they're kind of uh, same, same plot. Uh, okay. You know, it's not a heist, but they set up the Gambit throughout the entire movie. Yes. And then the whole end of the movie is them. Can they pull it off? They've been practicing the whole time. Can they pull it off? Yeah. And so I I really appreciated that. You know, I I probably could have done without a lot of the member berries. But, you know, again, they understood the assignment. That happens every 30 seconds in that movie, it seems. It was all those member berries. And the thing is, it was a packed theater and everyone Everyone. was there for it. So uh, whenever they did the uh, sand football instead of volleyball, everyone was like, woo! Uh, I, I I was I was with everyone when uh, when Val Kilmer showed up. I really like that scene. Uh, spoiler yeah. alert: Val Kilmer's in it. Very touching scene. I uh, heard Bruce Perky got a really emotional when he saw rolls, that. Rolls rolls by. I, like was, <laughs> but uh, I like that scene. Where this movie shines the most is the airplane. Yeah. Like all the all the action scenes. This is action movie directors. Take watch Top Gun Magnum yes. and take notes. This is fucking how like <laughs> fucking they they set up they set up the stakes they set up the geography they they got all the characters and it's it, the the action in this is top notch and I think a lot of the because I was talking with Steve about this I think a lot of this is that I'm I'm sure there's CGI in here but a lot of it was kind of uh, seamless to me I I didn't notice it I'm but I'm also an idiot so maybe the whole thing was CGI. But like when you have a CB, CGI uh, superhero punching CGI monster, I watch that and go, "Wow, that's really cool." The CGI artist did a really good job there. That that looks really good. When I'm watching Tom Cruise fly towards a, uh, when I watch Tom Cruise fly towards a uh, mountain, knowing that Tom Cruise is actually flying the plane, I'm like, Ooh! 
And I think this movie kind of, at least for me, it really accentuated why practical is better than CGI. Sometimes in, in the in this in this instance, when Jack, you know, when Jackie Chan jumps out and grabs that, you know, in the mall, and he, he grabs that uh that rope with the lights on it and goes down you're like oh that's gotta fucking hurt when fucking uh scott atkins you know jumps up does a flip and this weird backwards kick thing it's like holy shit humans can do that you know so when you have practical effects it kind of adds a little bit of awe and wonder to the movie that you don't get when cgi monsters punching other cgi monsters Mm -hmm. and so in that respect i think hop gun magnum is uh really good and i hope this is I hope people can learn great lessons from this because I don't want this that this is probably one of the better, you know, summer blockbuster movies I've seen in a while. Yeah. I can't even Dune because Dune's more of Dune goes no. more, you know, it, it's not as uh action packed as this. But I, I would love to see like uh Marvel take notes on this. Yeah. And then DC, you know, the superhero movies, all the superhero movies that come out, it'd be nice for them to say, uh, hey, we're gonna do this thing. How can we uh how can we add more thrills to it? Top Gun Maverick, five stars watch, from me. Watch, watch Top Gun, Top Gun Magnum, and uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> what's your rating? What's your rating on it, Eric? This Come on, is, Bruce is not in the room. What is it? What is this it? This is probably four stars for me. Four stars. But, uh, four stars. It's still good. One thing that one thing that I was joking with Steve about. Well, one thing that creeped me out was when uh, the scene where uh, Tom Cruise was banging the kid from the labyrinth. <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's so funny. Very, very cool. Oh, Jennifer so Connelly is very good in this movie as well. Yeah, Jen, I, I love Jennifer oh, Connelly. In this. Oh, she is go, not. She go, is go, terrible oh, in this movie. Oh, her, her, character, her character is well underwritten. Ding, 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 ding. Wrong. <laughs> her, her character is well underwritten. But I, again, that, that goes She's back great. to this is a sequel to Top Gun. I, I think it's a sequel to Top Gun. This is the best you're going to hope for. And I think they went kind of above and beyond in a what? lot of respects. To be honest, Eric Holmes went above and beyond regarding his review. It's not just a three and a half stars. He actually really recommends it, giving it, giving it a four star, four stars from Eric Holmes, five stars from me, and two stars from Bruce Perky regarding Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Can so I, that- can I state one fact though on the way out? Yes. You were, uh, yes, you were, you were wrong. No, this is, this uh, is, no, no this what? is a fact. A fact. Okay. Absolutely. Without doubt, write this in a book somewhere. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely going to be the most overrated movie of the year. Absolutely. What? Absolutely. already in the running. Ilbuco, Ilbuco. Let's not punch down on Ilbuco. Like they went down a cave. They went down a big cave, and they, they, they don't went... think. Don't think about what I said. Just do it. Just write it in the book. You know, um, I can I can barely spelunk. So let, let's just. I, say I think it. actually to don't Bruce's think, point, just do. I, I think I think to Bruce's point though, everyone's like, oh I, my god, oh it's. <laughs> I think if uh, I think if action blockbusters were better then this would probably be mediocre. Like, this is kind of what you would expect from an action blockbuster. And it's right. like, oh, yeah, it's fine. But they have not been good. Like, action blockbusters have not been good lately. Right. The okay. the, the Star Wars is like, a, you know, Last Jedi is fine. But the, you know, the rest of them are kind of whatever. Uh, the MCUs or whatever. And I stopped watching those even before the fucking <laughs> boycott thing. But, uh, yeah, they, ju- they just don't what do. What are you talking th- about? This is the best remake of Star Wars in the last few years. It is. It is. <laughs> but again, to, to your point, Bruce, though, I think, I think you're right that this kind of where the action blockbusters were right where they should be, which is right here. Then this would be like, okay, it's another one. 
but they're not. They're yeah. way below. Because, we only get a Fury uh, Road once every 20 years or something. Yeah, so. exactly. That, exactly. Fury Road, and I mean, kind of the same thing with Fury Road. Fury Road should just be running the middle action. That's where action should be right now, and it's not. Because there's a after credit scene where someone shows up and, you know, people are just showing, you know, People only care who shows up and who dies. The standards are so low with these action blockbusters that when something very serviceable and very good, like Top Gun Magnum comes out, it, it's, it, I think it gets a, a higher bump than it would otherwise. Right. Okay, so I call it Top Gun Maverick five stars, four stars for Top Magnum. Gun, Top Gun Magnum from Eric Holmes, and two stars from Bruce Perky with Top Gun Micro Dick. Now, <laughs> you know who's not a dick? And by the way, I have yes. a Micro Dick too, so I, uh, okay. I'm i very offended by your uh, body shaming tactics. <laughs> yeah, body shaming, body shaming, body horror. Maybe David Cronenberg will be directing some more different films. Maybe he I'm just punching up. A- I'm punching up at Tom Cruise. <laughs> punching up at Tom Cruise. So you can't can punch up at Tom Cruise. Have you seen how short he is oh, oh, it's, a good, it's a good Damn point it. oh good yeah, point oh boy oh boy you know it'd be interesting if david cronenberg seeing body shaming and body horror if, if david cronenberg directed one of the top gun films that said you know who's not a dick it's pete abeta time pete abeta from middle class film class he is with he hosts that show every what bruce every single week with tyler noe and joseph navarro sometimes they go on the field sometimes they're on twitch sometimes they go do deep dives on on different films every single week again i week and a half ago i checked out their episode on the worst person in the world i still have to catch up on some episodes bruce what, what's a recent episode from middle class film class that you really loved which i really loved i like all of them but um i'm trying to think there's one that my kid was on a few a few about a month or so ago so mm, i like that I one know quite that. A bit. your kid andrew was on it and you didn't even plug it did you plug it on fighter film <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if i did How he was on you? there because he and pete have a weird well they have a weird what? thing where they uh. they dare each other to watch terrible movies so <laughs> oh jeez. he made uh daniel or he made um actually daniel didn't watch it my son andrew had to watch the ridiculous six hmm i heard this good actually. hilarious yeah i think i'm andrew, gonna have him adam sandler adam sandler right? yeah Okay. Yeah. So did you watch it with him or not? I did watch it actually uh, separately, but yeah. Why is this not in our recommend? Uh, we can do five new recommend Ridiculous. I'm so, so a little bit depressed. I, yeah. Eric Holmes, you're going to put the Ridiculous Six on, on the- Mark uh, four and a half stars on Ridiculous Six for me. Four and a half stars for the, because he's an Adam Sandler fan. Don't don't mind don't mind Eric Holmes. I'm, I'm also Adam a Sandler fan. fan. You're also, you're also a poop Steve Zahn's fan. Steve Zahn's in it. Steve Zahn's in it. Okay, so what does anyway, Pete do sorry. other than host a podcast and have like a big what is it a tortoise? Do we call it a tortoise or a turtle, Bruce? Does it does, how how big is is Pete's tor- tortoise turtle? How big is that? Really it? Is it a micro it's, or macro? Is it's it a, a magnum? magnum. It's a magnum tortoise. <laughs> yeah. What does Pete and his magnum turtle do every single week on Find Your Film, Bruce? Drop beats, I think. I don't know. Drop beats. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, guys, we're back. Here we are. This is a suggestion from, I am going to try to pronounce this for you, Bruce Perky, from Cinematics Facebook group member, Sagothe Mepa. And I apologize about this mispronunciation, but what did our Facebook member suggest? What is this movie, Bruce? This is a movie called Under the Tree from 2017, directed by, here we go again with names, uh, Halfstein Gunnar Sigurdsson. 
I believe it takes place in Iceland, and I did not do my homework to make sure, but it's it's one of those one of those countries up there in the great white north that's not Canada. Anyway, this movie <laughs> this movie is kind of built as a dark comedy, and it is definitely dark, and it has some really dark satirical edges to it. So what is the concept? It starts out with a, a married guy getting up in the late night or early morning to go have some alone time with his laptop. And unfortunately, his wife walks in while he's doing it, and on that laptop is the guy himself and his ex-girlfriend. Gets kicked out of the house immediately. That's the beginning of the movie. Gets kicked out, and he schleps all of his stuff back to his mom and dad's place. His mom and dad live in, it's kind of like a really nice, kind of a fancy, but it's like a duplex, basically. So they are just like have a common wall, essentially, with another couple. So he's on the one side, and his storyline is basically... A lot of awkward moments where he's trying to go pick up his kid and his wife's not letting him pick up his kid. And how is he going to deal with this idea of now he's not, he's on the outs and he's trying to convince her that it was all okay and it didn't mean anything. And there's a lot of really awkward stuff going on there. Iceland. Yeah, (laughs) it is Iceland. Good. I was right. Meanwhile, the, his parents and the couple that live next door, it starts out very simple. The couple next door, the wife likes to lay on their back porch and the couple that's the parents of the main character there, their house has a tree that leaves a shadow over the place where the woman next door wants to sunbathe. And of course they go next door and really passively aggressive say, hey, is there any way you guys can cut back your tree? It's causing a shadow over our our house. And so it begins. And it's almost like, I don't know, what is it? Uh, War of the Roses or one of those kind of movies where things start simply you know, like, I guess, what is it? Uh, the the uh, term of the year, whatever, microaggressions, right? Lots of little back and forth between these groups, uh, these two couples, especially the wife or the mom of our main character. And you're like, oh, okay, it doesn't fall far from the tree, quote. The mom of this guy who, you know, had the affair and is having all this crap go down. She's a little bit of a piece of work as well. And she is escalating it constantly with the other couple. And it goes on and back and forth. And to the end, it gets way 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 out of control if you like that kind of movie kind of really dark comedy really dark social satire on like kind of suburban living going kind of violent fast uh with all this weird um passive aggressive life that sometimes involves in that kind of living between neighbors you could probably really enjoy this quite a bit warning though first of all i would give this four stars probably in a normal world but kind of like Eric and his things with Hulu and Disney. You don't like animal. Iceland. Oh, animal stuff. There is some animal stuff in here that's so heinous. I, I was like, no, take a star off. Take a star off. Even the movie isn't that much lower, but it, I'm going to make it that much lower. So it's three stars. Three stars. Okay. So this is actually just a mild recommend for you, Bruce. Yeah. Because, and if you're, a, what, what happens if you're a sociopath like Greg Trizavosti? You'll probably who, give who, it like five stars. Five stars? Okay. <laughs> five stars for Greg Trizavosti, sociopath. Watch some shit unless a dog gets beaten within an inch of its life. Yeah. Two stars. <laughs> you're, okay. you're close. You're close, but it's worse. Oh. Mm. Well, okay, so people looking for a black comedy, a dark yeah. comedy, this is it, right? This is their wheelhouse. And, and, yeah, it and that's really why I said dark. like War of the Roses. Like if that that flavor, like you know how dark that movie gets, like it gets uncomfortably dark. It's like that. Okay. That is it. That is Under the Tree, an Icelandic dark comedy. And it was, again, from our Cinematics Facebook group member, who I'm mm-hmm. mispronouncing, Segothi 
Mepa, did you notice how I mispronounced it a second time? So thank you so much for your recommendation on Bruce Perky. Yes, Bruce Perky. Uh, Tubi. You can get it on Tubi and a lot of other places. You can get it on Tubi as, as we speak, as we're recording. Also, please be a member of our Cinematic Facebook group page as Eric Holmes just previously recommended on this podcast. And also hit up Bruce Perky, either our website or our Facebook group, and hit him, hit him up with some movie recommendations. Have him put a movie that you want him to review on what's in the box. Speaking of what's in the box, as Eric and I go into some kind of Greek chorus, what's in the box? What's, what's in, in the, the box? box? Why is it getting all spooky in here? Oh, now it's getting dune. That's it's like a bunch of like, throats. Yeah, the sand <laughs> There you go. What's in the Oh, box? my gosh. This yes, is sir. one I just put in myself in the last couple of weeks. I was listening to Force 5, and they were talking about the best war movies of all time. And they listed 1937's Grand Illusion, which mm. I've never seen. Oh, by, Grand Illusion. I think it's Jean Renoir. Yeah, Jean Renoir. You're getting classy on us, Bruce, with all I these. I am. Yes, uh, Grand Illusion. <laughs> uh, yes, again, that is Jason Kleberg. He is the head honcho of Force 5 podcast. I, I like to call it the Force 5 movie podcast, but you can call it as Bruce said the correct way is Force 5 podcast. Jason Kleberg, he's a supporter of our Cinematics Facebook group and our Find Your Film and also he's just an all-around great guy and there's some really deep dives on top five issues or, or just movie related stuff every single week and he has a different guest on every show regarding the Force 5 podcast. Again, that's a great, great podcast to listen to. We mentioned Andrew Watches Movies, a very personal journey through cinema from Andrew Martin and there's also the aforementioned middle, middle class film class with the, with those trio of fun folks over in Sacramento. I like to call it Sacktown. I don't know if they'll be, I think that's what they call it. Do they call Sacramento Sacktown, Eric Holmes? What do you think? Yes, all the time. All the time? Bruce, is all that Sacktown? Is that a pejorative or is that a correct word? I thought everywhere you went was Sacktown, Greg. <laughs> I, I went to Sacramento <laughs> once and had a sack lunch. It was awesome. Oh, very good. For me, it's unfortunately, as Bruce was looking at it, he said, Michael, Dick, Greg is low Sacktown for me. So that is it for our episode of Find Your Film. Do you have anything to say regarding anything, Eric Holmes? Uh, check out The Wild Boys. It's a weird movie, but I, I, think, there, I think there's a... Uh, I think there's a segment of uh, cinematic, uh, cinematic Facebook uh, fellows there and degenerates, ladies. degenerates who would like it, just degenerates, uh, or just people it, who are experimental. They who, who actually, like, who? there's probably a couple of people who already watch it, but yeah, the Wild Boys, name them, it, Matt Stillman, Joseph Bridges, Angie Clark, Andrew yeah. Martin, all of them, yeah. Angie Clark, Angie Clark for Wild Boys. <laughs> Doesn't Angie, sound like me to describe them again. Angie, if you watch it, uh, message yep. me as you do. Uh, okay. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts as you're Angie watching. Clark, who is who loves movies starring Montgomery Cliff, would like Wild Boys. I, I don't know. I imagine comes. she'll get 10 minutes into it and go, Eric, why did you have me watch this piece of shit? <laughs> but okay. I, I, I think I think there's uh and that, there's certainly people who are going to hate it, but I think there's some people who are going to watch it and this is going to be right up their alley, I think. Okay. Okay, Bruce. Will I like under? Seriously, would I like under the tree? Would Would uh, Eric like under the tree? What do you think? I think you guys would like it. Yeah. Okay. Very very cool. Again, that's under the tree I for what's in the box. Dogs die. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. That's no, gonna be. Not. No, you do not. You do not. Crimes of the future. Bruce and Eric. Are you guys gonna see it? Maybe this weekend if you guys get the chance, or is that you know you wait. I saw it this week already. You saw Crimes of the Future already? Yeah, oh. from 1970, the David Cronenberg Jeez movie. Louise. You know what? I forgot to. You know what? Look, listeners. 
We, we, we this this actually find your film episode is four hours long. We're gonna transfer over to cinematics and actually we're gonna Shanghai. I can say that since I'm Asian. We're gonna Shanghai that cinematics episode and we're gonna do. A, I'm gonna I'm gonna type in crimes of the future on cinematics. They get more listeners and find your film. But I'm just gonna clickbait everybody and then I'm just gonna say Eric's actually gonna do the review. He's gonna do a review of crimes of the future. I'll I'll, I'll say that for when crimes of the future comes out and me and Bruce oh. can watch it. That that'll be a perfect time to talk about that. I think. Oh, I wish you could just half-ass it and cinematic so we could get the clicks. All right, I'm all about the clicks. Bruce Perky, are you all about the clicks? Or what? what's your final thought regarding Find Your Film? Any final thoughts before we go? Well, I'm going to quote one of the great thinkers of our time and just say, don't think, just do. 